Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to Plan for Life Now. Darn it, Dave! I didn't check what episode we're on. Oh, it's but in the fifties. Fifty-two. We'll update them in the next 53. podcast. All right, next podcast, you'll be updated on your episode. <laughs> you know what? They can just look at the previous episode, whatever okay. that is, plus one. Then they, then they know. All right. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we have a couple things we want to talk about. Yes. So, do you want to do, do? You want to hit on your thing first? Or you want me to dive into my thing? Um, let's what? start with your thing. Okay. So I, I saw this article the other day, um, and let me get the, the title on this right, because I, I'm basically going to take the whole premise of his article and, and kind of recap it. Um, but I thought it was interesting. This is one of these blogs that I follow. It's called A Wealth of Common Sense, um, and, and it's titled The Stephen A. Smith of Personal Finance. Now, if you are not a hardcore ESPN watcher, you might not know who Stephen A. Smith is, right? If you are, you instantly know who he is, right? So if yes. you don't know, here's a brief synopsis. Stephen A. Smith is a talking head on ESPN, and I would say he's probably most well-known for being loud and outspoken and opinionated. Yes. Right? So... If you don't know, you can kind of imagine. Someone- if you do know, I'm going to tell you right now, after you listen to this podcast, YouTube, Jay Farrow doing Stephen A. Smith. Okay. He's a guy who used to be on Saturday Night Live, and if you know who Stephen A. Smith is and you've seen him, uh, you will get a laugh out of that. Quite frankly, I don't think that's funny at all. <laughs> so, anyway. um, Yeah, So, but the point is that he is loud and the whole reason that there was an article about him is he's set to sign a new contract with ESPN and become their highest paid talking head on ESPN. And the point that the author was making was it's not because he's the most insightful. It's not because he's got the best uh, analysis or the best anything. It's basically that in this world of media overload and you know, constant bombardment of information, you have to sort of stand out by taking these strong, bold stances. And that alone is the reason why he is going to be the highest paid celebrity. Yeah. And the trans- the transition to finance that the, uh, the author did in the article is talking about our industry. And we've talked about this many times before about how what does not get clicks on a website or get people to read articles is, hey, put together a buy and hold strategy and just maintain that strategy. Right. right. That's why we don't, that's why we're doing a podcast. 
right and not that radio show we used to do because we're not we were not going to do a show that was going that was going to be dishonest and try just to, for the purpose of getting people to meet with us or whatever and and when we looked at what was going on and the cost of that it wasn't worth you know it, we our, our message got lost and it wasn't worth the money yeah to do that radio show anymore but i, I mean i thought it was a really good point it resonated with me because i i personally don't feel like i am an over the top self promoter who's just always, you know, the loudest and pounding the table. I don't think you would disagree, but... <laughs> oh, no, I would 100% agree. I would 100% agree. And sometimes I feel like that's what gets people's attention, and the common sense advice just kind of gets drowned out, right? And, and this author took it even a step or two further and talked about in our industry, in the financial industry, who are the Stephen A. Smiths? And he particularly pointed to Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey. And if you've followed the financial industry, you've probably heard of these people. And the same thing. You know, these are not the most sophisticated financial analysts. They're not even the most eloquent ones out there. They tend to be the ones that are going to grab the headlines for being loud and right. outspoken. But that's how they, again, that's how they make their money. I would say... I'm not going to say to a person, but for the this is the fun thing about you listening to this podcast. This is kind of inside baseball and industry. I know anyone who's a famous financial person who's successful, like Susie Orman or you know whoever. Most people in our industry don't like them. Most people say, "Oh my, I can't believe that's the advice they're giving. That's wrong. That's this right. and that." Without sort of. And yet, hey, in my own topic, I've said it before. I've said in my long-term care insurance, my yeah. specialty, I've heard some of this stuff. And I'm not going to say it drives me crazy. I would always say to myself, they're talking to a big audience. It does drive me a little crazy. They're yeah. talking to a big audience. They're making a general point. But ultimately, that general point doesn't come close to fitting everybody. And it's flat out wrong yeah from any person but that's not their job is not to meet you personally and deal with your specific needs their job is to make general points maybe we'll call it to get clicks but in a lot of these cases it's listeners and viewers yeah. um and to build a reputation you don't build a reputation with mamby pamby points <laughs> controversial things help you build a reputation or get right. noticed well and in particular this article and I you know I always try to post these articles right down below the podcast so you can read it yourself you know talks about how Susie Orman says she would never buy a cup of coffee why would you ever waste money on a cup of coffee I'm not going to pay money for that that's a million dollar cup of coffee right there <laughs> and she's talking about kind of that classic uh, financial planning argument against you know frivolous spending that says well if you spend you know, $5 every day on a latte and you invested that money for 40 years, that could be, you know, worth a million dollars. And yeah, that makes for a nice example, you know, but the author of the article is talking about, you know, more of a common sense approach. And if you say, well, a cup of coffee is what I find important, but there's other things that I can cut back on, you know, but that's not exciting. That's not, that's not going to catch anybody's attention no. saying that. It's going to catch people's attention saying, I don't want to have a million-dollar cup of coffee, right? Of course. You know, meanwhile, you know, he makes the point that Susie Orman you know, has her own private island or you know, flies private jets everywhere. 
Well, that's what she chooses to spend money on. Right. She's earned. It's a hey, it's a capitalist society. She's right. earned what she's going to earn. But your your point is really well taken because ultimately, and this was leading into our next scenario, what we what I wanted to talk about, the best advisors would be the opposite of that. Yeah. You our job is to be prudent and thoughtful and look at both sides of an investment decision, an insurance decision, your life, <laughs> when you're going to retire, when you take Social Security. A lot of these things, almost all of them, are not black and white. They're gray. And the, the best advisors take a, 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 you know, a look at everything that's got to be thoughtful and looking at both sides, not taking a side. Right. Because in, in our world, taking a side is never going to fit everybody. Right. Well, no I- matter what. And not to jump on your point here, but you know something that we've talked about with people before is when they come in to a meeting or to a discussion and they say, I hate XYZ financial product. They go, why do you hate it? Well, I heard, maybe you heard Susie Orman say they hated it. Well, you have to take a look and, and look at a financial product as a tool. You, know, you don't go and say, well, I hate a shovel. I think shovels are terrible. Well, what are you using it for? Well, uh, I'm using it to, uh, I don't know, you know, to hammer in a nail. Well, yeah, I hate a shovel for that too. You've got to use the right financial product in the right situation. Um, but what was the the topic? Well, you my topic to was about? along the same lines. It was uh, last weekend. A my young, especially compared to me, my it's like 23 years old. My young, he's like my wife's cousin's son but we're really close to them and he just calls me uncle dave <laughs> even though i'm not technically his you, uncle but his name's get, jack i would get confused between second cousin yeah and but the bottom line is so we've known that we're close to that family and they're they live in north carolina and he is starting in this business he's in his first year out of college in our business i'm not going to talk about the company he's in or anything or what he's doing his name is jack okay he listens to our podcast which is a good way to start being in this business i'm just (laughs) kidding but anyway so he's starting i was thinking well what is what would make a good when you're starting same thing how do you go about doing our business when you start and again lessons you don't start in our business being like me and steve Everyone who starts in this business works for somebody as a general rule right. who is an insurance company or an investment house. Right. And no ma- and that's fine because if you don't start that way, you're never going to start. Yeah, well, I mean they have the organization to to provide training and provide assistance as you're starting. I mean you can't I don't want to say you can't <laughs> be very difficult to just purely go independent and set up your own firm. As a brand new person who doesn't know anything. Right. So within that, you still have, so you have the, those confines, which we always talk about on this podcast and with clients. We're not in that state. We're independent. We, you know, we're not in that situation. But anyone who starts in this business young is going to be in a situation where there are going to be some pressures from the organization that you're working with. But still not enough to get in the way of some some basic truths. And one of the basic truths is that to me is that when you start in this business, your goal should not to be not be the top rookie top rookie award of your firm. Oh, I'm the number one salesman or whatever of my firm, whatever I'm supposed to be selling. Okay. Instead, it should be to meet you're meeting people for something important, whether it's life insurance or long-term care insurance or investments of any sort. 
you are meeting some of the, for these people you're meeting, these families or these individuals, it is extremely important that you do things right. So the number one thing you want to do, in my opinion, when you start is you want to survive your first year by right. meeting people and doing the best you can under the guise of whatever your company working for to do things correctly for them and the right thing, because ultimately that will keep these people, your clients, over the years. And then each year, instead of being the, the top shining star that shot to the top mm-hmm. and then it was doing things wrong probably and cramming stuff down people's throat your goal each year should be to, to build on that and do a little better each year <laughs> well you make it sound so simple it's um, not simple because you have to survive in the business but you can right. survive by doing the right thing for yeah. people instead of trying to cram stuff that's wrong for people and make a million sales it's not really a sales bit yeah it's weird that's the nature of this business for all that we talk about Susie Orman there is an element to marketing that if you don't market yourself no matter how you know no matter how good your intentions are if you don't market yourself you're not going to survive thus how did you ever help people for decades right you know we're not for all that we just talked about, we do radio commercials, and those radio commercials are not what we do. Sure. Those radio commercials are the, you know, honestly, for the retirement planning, the hook to that commercial is that what I wrote a long time ago, we still run the same commercial because it brings people in. You know that great big pension your mom and dad had? Well, you're not getting that. <laughs> for some reason, that hook has brought people into thinking about doing retirement planning. But it, it, in and of itself... Most people, my mom and dad, I don't even know if they had a pension. Right. It's not, it has nothing to do with the work we do. It's just some sort of hook that brings people in. And you always have to do marketing. But when you're working with people, you can do what's right for them and you have to build on it. I I hear what you're saying, but I do know how difficult that is with, with people who are early on in their career, just trying to survive, just trying to get by and... You know, with the benefit of now, I've been in the industry 17 years now. Um, it's easy to say, okay, let's just do the right thing for the client. Let's do what's in their best interest. But when you're brand new, that's that's hard because yeah. you're, well, you're when trying you, to make when you were goals. brand new, <laughs> and yeah. I met you, right. <laughs> Um, hey, I was doing long-term care insurance, right? And as you know, I've always done the same thing. Yeah, you know, basically, this is a product, and it's either you realize you need it or you don't. But most people who came to those talks needed it, yeah, or they wouldn't be there, and they had the assets to do it. And then it was a matter of doing it. But when you did those cases, you weren't like, oh, I have to sell the biggest long-term care insurance policy every no. client. You always did what I'm matching the policy to the situation of the client. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking more in terms of the, the overall financial planning. And if you're talking to somebody and they could take money from two different accounts and one of them is an account that you manage, one of them is an outside account, you could feel if you're early on, you've got that income pressure, you could feel that pressure to say, well, I'm not going to do I'm going to do what's going to keep the most money for me rather than do what's really in the best interest. Um, anyway, just kind of a side thought there. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, th- there's no way to get around <laughs> the fact that marketing is a part of the financial industry. Um, but I think at the end of the day, when we're talking about you know acting in the fiduciary capacity for a client, I think this is really where it comes home to that. 
is that if you're acting in the client's best interest, that is, you know, that's the definition of a fiduciary. There. Right. And then we're going to get there in this industry. Yeah. <laughs> you You've know, seen all these you and I are fiduciaries based on being fee-based, fee-based. advisors, yeah. but we're going to get there sooner right. or later where everybody's going to have to be a fiduciary. And I'm just sort of, I guess I'm saying the young people who get in the business, it's an awesome business. Yeah. I, we need way more, way more young people. You know, the average age of a financial advisor isn't even Steve's age, your age, 40 or pushing 40. It's probably closer to my age, 57. Yeah. So it's a great business to be in, but you're always better off doing it right when you begin. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll check in again next month.